Welcome to the Cybersecurity Evangelist, where we talk about cybersecurity so everyone can understand. And that's not to say we won't have technical-ish conversations from time to time, but for the most part, our goal is to talk cyber from the human perspective. Given that phishing is consistently the leading technique of successful cyber attacks, it confirms the words from the world's most famous hacker, Kevin Mitnick. Also turned cybersecurity evangelist, by the way, but Kevin says it's easier to get a person to reveal something than it is to hack a computer. In other words, it takes far less effort to exploit a person through an email than it does to exploit a computer through a technical vulnerability. Our hope is that the Cybersecurity Evangelist, or TCE for short, will have a little something for everyone. Indeed, there are individual, or I'll call them residential listeners, hi mom, but I think for the most part, our audience will be from businesses of various types, and not all of them are cyber-focused, especially when it comes to security awareness and education. So our goal with TCE is to provide information and education in small, manageable, yet relevant snippets to enhance cybersecurity awareness for everyone. Hi, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Cybersecurity Evangelist, a cybersecurity podcast for everyone. On the last Gate 15 Risk Roundtable, I believe that was episode 9, I alluded to following up on the topic of ransomware for this episode. But after some deliberation, I thought a better place to start a new podcast on cybersecurity and how it's relevant to everyone was to kind of level set or maybe even myth bust some commonly held beliefs about cybersecurity. So we'll get back to ransomware in future episodes. But for this episode, I wanted to fish for answers by demystifying some myths about cybersecurity. And my guest who is going to help me do that is Travis Farrell. I'll introduce Travis in a moment, but this session ended up being a two-part episode, and part two will be posted the week of August 10th. Now, without further ado... So Travis has been part of the security community for many years. Uh, he got his start back in the modem and bulletin board days, um, and throughout his career, Travis has worked in incident response, threat intelligence, and industrial control system security, among other facets. Travis has helped secure companies like Nokia and ExxonMobil. So thank you so much, Travis, for being my first guinea guest <laughs> on the Cybersecurity Evangelist. Uh, Happy bio, to be here, Jen. Awesome. Your bio made me giggle. Uh, modems and bulletin boards. That was way before I got involved in technology and security. But I did use, you know, the, the Commodore 64 on the modem and the bulletin boards in high school. Um, but as far as my tech career, my cybersecurity career, that was a, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I didn't start until about 20 years ago. But we do have some overlap in our backgrounds, including industrial control system security, which I'm hoping on a future podcast we can sync up uh, together, especially uh, talk about how security and resilience of our critical infrastructure is still very much relevant to everyone. Absolutely. So um, our paths keep crossing over various venues. So it's as, as vast as cybersecurity is, um, it's still amazing how much of a small world it is. So it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, glad to be here. Okay, so let's get this started. Um, so in the show trailers, I've talked about the human element of cybersecurity, which is honestly my favorite part. Um, I do have a background in some of the technical facets like malware analysis. And I think it's that background that typically serves me well in communicating the importance of cybersecurity to everyone. And while there are indeed technology and technical vulnerabilities that the bad guys use to break into our computers, that really is far less common than many people think. Um, we can quote 
different statistics. I mean, we can go to, you know, Verizon's data breach investigations report that, you know, the yearly uh, report that everybody looks forward to and it just quotes ad nauseum the whole year. But essentially year after year, phishing is the leading technique used to steal stuff, right, from individuals. And then these usually results in a foothold within businesses. Uh, most people know what phishing is, but more specifically, Phishing is intentionally designed or engineered, like social engineered, which is another one of my favorite concepts, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but it's designed to trick people, right? Trick people into revealing sensitive information that helps the attacker achieve their goals or defraud either or individuals or businesses in some way. And all of this comes back around to say that as an individual, right? Me, you, we're targeted um, so that the bad guys can take our information to steal bigger things from our employers. Yes, this audience will probably have a few folks who aren't working for businesses, like, you know, who are retired, like, hi, mom. <laughs> but uh, essentially, I think most of the people on this podcast, listening to this podcast, are going to be working for someone. And it's important to understand that you are targeted, even if it's opportunistically at first, um, for the information that an attacker might be able to glean about your organization to achieve their goals. Uh, you know, so you might be thinking, well, but what does this have to do with my personal stuff? Like what I do on my personal time, that's like, that's my business. And, you know, it, it has a lot to do with it, but I'll try to keep it short and just say that the bad guys use social media uh, you know, to, and they look at what we post online about ourselves or the things we follow on Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram and LinkedIn. And that information is perfect for the bad guys to use to customize their phishing messages to, to us. And then they weave what they've learned into some convincing, seemingly trustworthy emails that have a good chance that we're going to fall for it. So I hope this is a nice kind of lead in to the discussion for today on how it's not as much about the security as it is about the people. So with that, Travis, will you help me dispel some common cybersecurity myths? Yeah, sure. All right. So a few things you wanted to kind of know about cybersecurity, but we're afraid to ask. <laughs> kind of where we're going with this. Um, and I'll, I'm going to start. I, I gave enough intro, so I'm just going to kind of jump in here and give you a chance to talk. Um, since I've been kind of stealing the show here, not stealing, but taking up the time here. So myth number five, cybersecurity. I think many think that cybersecurity is a technology problem. Yeah, that's for the tech guys. Oh, that's for the security guys. You know, my, they, they think that the computer is the problem. Uh, but, you know, when I asked the question, I'd done this presentation publicly before, and I asked the question, well, what do you think the easiest part of the computer system, the whole system, is to break into? And I propose that it's, it is the person. Um, I don't want to call people the weakest link. Um, I, I read something recently that I, I used to use that analogy. I'm like, that's really negative. You know, let's just back off of that and just go with, you know, depending on our lack of awareness or depending on our awareness level, we're just, we might be more easy or less, you know, to get, um, to get information from, but we are targeted and the bad guys know that. So Travis, do you agree or disagree that cybersecurity is a people problem and not a technology problem? 
Uh, I, I say that I'm kind of between. I, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, but I, I definitely agree that, especially nowadays, uh, people are probably the number one part of the problem as far as what, how, how attackers view uh, opportunities to get footholds inside uh, businesses, inside people's finances at home or whatever they can get to. Uh, that you can do on the, on the technology side to help with that, but ultimately what they're taking advantage of is the trust that we have in certain things, um, trying to look like something that they're not. Uh, and if we don't catch that it's not legit, then we can fall for it. And so from that perspective, it definitely is a, a people person, in my opinion, or a people problem. Awesome. So, yeah, you know, years ago, we used to say, hey, if you don't if you don't recognize this, don't click on it, don't answer it. You know, with that, the, the bad guys use that against us and started adapting and impersonating things to your point that we do know, you know, folks pretty much have that bit down though. Oh, I never click on things that I don't recognize. You know, you, you get that you're out in public, you know, and you get on the cybersecurity. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I got this all the time and I never click on it. I'm like, okay. Um, but I think we still need to spread that word that the, the bad guys are impersonating the brands and the people that we trust. And they usually, you know, these are mostly the financial related things and uh, they want to, you know, impress the sense of urgency and authority. Uh, so, you know, trust, but verify like everything, you know? Yeah. But even it, it could be as, as nefarious as getting an email from your dad or somebody and it's legitimately from somebody that you know and trust maybe, uh, but it's because maybe they clicked on a link somewhere and their system's been compromised and the bad guys are taking advantage of any trust that might exist between them and other people. So like friends, relatives, uh, people they go to church with, whatever, and they see that message come in from that person that they know, then they're more likely to click on it. You know, so again, it's the bad guys taking advantage of those trust relationships that we have. You know, this isn't some, you know, phishing email from just out of the blue that makes it look like, you know, I, I you know, have some shipping thing coming. <laughs> I was going to say that, yeah. Isn't coming. Uh, it's, it's from somebody I know and trust, you know, so that's, it's, it, it can be a lot more nefarious. You know, the, the bad guys are always trying to figure out how to take advantage of those trust bonds that we have just because by human nature, that's, that's how we're wired. Absolutely. I mean, case in point, you know, we can have, you know, people think, well, you know, I'm, I'm, it won't happen to me. Um, you know, that's, you know, I don't have anything anybody wants, but the fact is we have these multi-million dollar companies with arguably some of the best security tools in place. And yet, you know, things happen, right? I'm, you know, we can use a, a recent point, a recent case, a recent incident, you know, the, the problems that kind of Twitter had <laughs> at the end of last week. And I'm not saying that Twitter fails on security awareness or anything for sure. Um, but what boiled, what it boiled down to is that the attacker motivation goals, notwithstanding the attackers, according to Twitter, social engineered the people and whether they tried the technical vulnerabilities or not, it ended up being easier to breach those technical defenses. And the bad guys know this. And so they set up their social engineering themes and their phishing themes um, that, you know, even got inside a multi-million dollar company. 
So if it can happen to a company with the greatest defenses, you know, how about little old, little old us who, you know, don't have those, you know, firewalls and those, you know, big fortresses around our infrastructure. All right, myth number four. So I have here, cybersecurity is hard. So, and it costs too much money. So then the question I posed was, what will you do when someone steals your data? So how will you know? And I think, you know, there are, especially for the you's and the me's and the, the audiences and the small businesses, uh, the fact is that there are many free and low, course, low cost resources to help. And you don't have to do everything. Again, you know, that's the multimillion dollar companies are protecting a lot of data and they have a lot of resources and they do a lot more. But you have to start somewhere and doing something is better than doing, you know, nothing, nothing at all. So your thoughts on that? I definitely agree with this one. Uh, there's just so much and it's, it's crazy for as much money as there is in the world of cybersecurity, you know, and all these different tools, like you go to RSA and there's thousands of security companies represented there, all having some you know, security widget that they're trying to sell. But at the end of the day, if you look at all the top recommendations anywhere, you know, whether you're talking SANS or, you know, the signals directorate at Australia, um, it's always the same stuff. It's always make sure that your stuff is up to date, you know, make sure that uh, you're limiting administrator access. You know, you're not just everybody's, you know, got full access to all their systems and doing things like doing backups and, uh, you know, all those things, those things are, are very, you know, a lot of times it's just configuration of the, the systems and the way that we interact with them that ends up being the, the game changer at the end of the day that protects our environments, not all these fancy tools and widgets and so on. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we need to kind of master the basics, if you will. I mean, if even if you're a small business, uh, there are resources out there. Um, the uh, Center for Information Security has their critical 20, top 20 critical security controls. And it's, they're not expensed. The access to the uh, information and the, the controls and the ideas and, and the, you know, to-dos is free for anybody to use. And it's a great resource for small businesses. Uh, yeah, you need someone with some technical or cybersecurity background to help you implement. So not, you know, the you know, the office manager or the, you know, the owner may be not likely to do that. You need, you know, some help implementing them. But the idea of implementing them and starting, you just hitting the basics um, and the ones that are most likely to affect your organization, that comes with a risk assessment for another show. But uh, just something as simple as that. And then as far as security awareness is concerned, you know, there's the, you know, Stop, Think, Connect campaign and National Cybersecurity Awareness Month and that kind of stuff, that they have free resources to help educate yourself and your staff. And so there's so many resources out there to help you manage those basics. You just, you just have to start doing something to improve your security posture. Yeah, for sure. Definitely agree. Okay, myth number three. I hope this one's kind of a little bit on the fun side, um, uh, myth number three is it's hard to be a hacker, right? Only smart people 
hack. And I use the, the term hack loosely, uh, lightly, I should say, and then we'll explain it a little bit more in myth number uh, two. But uh, the, who, are, who, is, who are hacking? And I'm going to say, who are the bad guys that are hacking? Um, but the fact is, is that I propose that hacking can be child's play, right? Sometimes all you need is a credit card or Bitcoin, um, a computer and an internet connection. Uh, yes, really, the really smart people are developing some tools and techniques, and it's the really dumb people that buy them. Okay, maybe they're not dumb, but their moral compass might be a little off. But that said, um, do you agree or disagree with that one? Who are the hackers? And really, can, can it be really, is it really that easy or is it, is it hard like people think? I definitely think it can be easy. I think, uh, you know, as we already stated, you know, what you're exploiting is people's trust. And so it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to try and put together an email that looks pretty legitimate and, you know, finding some people to send that email to, to try to get them to click. Um, and you don't have to have like uh, any kind of exploit on the other end of that email. You know, it could be just taking advantage of their trust and having that, you know, tricking them into sending you some money. So it doesn't even need to be technical for you to be a, a quote unquote hacker. But nowadays you can go on YouTube for free and learn just almost anything about how to perform uh, different types of exploits or understand how different things work in, in the world of IT that can help you become a quote unquote hacker. Uh, and there's, you know, an entire ecosystem around being criminal, you know? So if you, you know, start working your way around, you find some hacker forums, quote unquote, and you start figuring out some of the tools, you start seeing some things that are for sale, like all I have to do is pay $250 and I get this whole setup that gives me everything I need to be able to go and actually, you know, take advantage of people and exploit them, quote unquote. I don't have to understand how all that works. Like you said, the, the smarter people are the ones creating those platforms and selling them to the criminals. Um, but it's, uh, it's out there. And this is what happens. And you never know, like when you, you know, even if you're defending an organization, who you're up against, you know, you might see some sophisticated, you know, kind of exploitation or some sophisticated attack that's, you know, using different things that get around your, your defenses and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that initiated that attack really understands how it all works or, or knows that much about it. They just went and paid for that from, you know, some more advanced criminals in the underground. So, uh, so no, it doesn't take much barrier to entry is pretty low, uh, in terms of actually knowing your stuff. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some very, uh, advanced things that you can get into, but it's just like anything else. You, you start with the basics and you work your way up to that. If that's your quote unquote career choice, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the criminal underworld, I mean, the, the whole underground world of, uh, you know, exploitation and hacking and all these things, it's very much run like there's legitimate businesses around it. They have like service guarantees, they have customer support, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they have all the things that you expect in a regular marketplace they have available in those worlds. So if I pay my $250 of Bitcoin or whatever for this you know, access to this exploit kit or whatever, I get support. I don't, I can't figure out how to get this installed. 
they'll be like, oh, well, did you do this? You know, and it's just everything you would expect from a regular legitimate business, but this is how it is there. So, uh, so yeah, the barrier to entry is low. You don't have to really understand all these things. You just have to be somebody like you said, that maybe has a little shifted moral compass and, uh, you know, starts going and trying to find these things. And, and that's pretty much all it takes nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. You can, you know, subscribe to this as a service. So, you know, this exploit kit, you know, we use that term and then you just point and click like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. Sure. That sounds good. Click, click, click with your mouse and click execute or send or whatever that looks like. And boom, you've, you know, sent your ransomware, your phishing campaign out. All you need to do is install it and, you know, either point and click or just install this application kind of thing, if you will, or access it on a website and move about your day. And you've got this automated, you know, uh, tool that's going to try to uh, exploit people or exploit, you know, um, technical vulnerabilities. So that one always fascinates me that the development that goes in just so anybody with, you know, $250 can just buy an exploit kit and, you know, be a quote unquote hacker. Right. Well, and the thing that's, that, that really gets me about all that is that um, a lot of these people, like I can't imagine sure, you know, for sure in the criminal underground in, in the world of exploitation, like there's some very, very rich criminals, you know, that have, you know, single heights that have netted them multi-million dollars and stuff. But this is a very few, very small uh, amount of, of actual individuals, I think, that have made it to that level or have been able to pull off exploitation to that level. I think the vast majority of folks probably don't make me that much. You know, they're throwing stuff at the wall and, you know, get, you know, they net a few hundred here, maybe a thousand there or something like that. You know, if they're really interested in security or in this kind of stuff, they would much better be served by, you know, taking those same skills and knowledge and everything and going to get an actual job in the security industry because, you know, we're always hiring for the most part and yeah. uh, it's a guaranteed paycheck and you don't have to worry about going to jail. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> which, which leads is a perfect segue into myth. I extend another sincere thank you to Travis Farrell for helping me dispel some cybersecurity myths, including how cybersecurity is more than just a technology or computer problem, how increasing your cyber hygiene and security posture does not have to cost a lot of money, and how easy it is to buy a kit or an application if you're looking to launch your miscreant career. I would like to make an additional note. During this segment, I misstated an organization's name. In haste, I referenced CIS, which stands for the Center for Internet Security. During our chat, I said information instead of internet. I have no idea why I said it, but I want to make that correction. Likewise, there will be a follow-up blog post on the Gate15 website listing some of the resources we mentioned today. So, join us for part two in August, where Travis and I close out the conversation about hackers and why hacking isn't always a bad thing. And finally, how in today's world, there is always a risk that a cybersecurity incident can happen to you. Until then, later this week, you can enjoy the Nerd Out security panel discussion with David Pounder, like the quarter pounder. And next week, we have an awesome Gate 15 interview with Andy. And finally, the first week of August, the band will be back together with Jarena, Andy, Dave, 
and yours truly for Gate 15's Risk Roundtable. hope you enjoyed today's show and found a couple of useful nuggets to use in your cybersecurity awareness programs. Please encourage staff, as well as family and friends alike, to listen to TCE, along with the other podcasts on the Gate 15 podcast channel, to help understand and manage risks from threats across all hazards, including physical, health-related, which is very relevant in today's world, as well as man-made and, of course, cyber. So until next time, remember, with cyber being an integral part of nearly every minute in our personal lives, and the cost of doing business in today's world, you are responsible for cybersecurity.